This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Isabella Summers is the co-founder of British indie rock band Florence and the Machine, and she delivers a gorgeous classical score in the Netflix movie Lady Chatterley's Lover. She's here today with us on Crew Call. So tell me about uh, segueing to film, you know, to composing, not just for film, for TV as well. Oh my goodness. And is... Florence and the Machine on hold for a second? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I just dipped out of um, doing this tour because I came off the end of the last world tour in 2019, where I think you and I met before. And uh, I wasn't technically going to get into doing television um but i uh, a wonderful music supervisor uh mary ramos was like is a i i i done a piece of music for um for a friend of mine sam levinson and he loved it so much he used it all the way through his movie uh, assassination nation uh, this is oh yes before rewind yes. sorry and so then um, she was the music supervisor, Mary, and she said, Hollywood needs you. <laughs> You're a woman with all this cool factor. Um, and she was like, I think you should you should do this. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to work with film and scoring, like always been a dream, massive fan of John Barry from the early years, wanting to do kind of like super cool, sexy, dark you know, music. So I always kind of had it in in mind. And then here I was presented with an opportunity, not um, straight out of this tour, not to do um, a movie, but a TV show. And I, I was like, oh, shit, how does that work? <laughs> and Mary's like, just come. I need you to come to Hollywood. We're going to figure it out. So, um, and so that was it. I basically did Little Fires Everywhere. Um, with Mark Isham, who wonderfully co-piloted me and then um, showed me the ropes. And then I haven't stopped working since. And it's gone from TV to film. And um, and now here we are with Lady Shatley. It's my, first, my, fi- my fourth movie, but my first movie out. Well... This is this is a little different, but I will share with you one of my favorite Florence and the Machine songs used in a movie. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this? Breath of Life? No, Youth. You've Got the Love. Oh, wow. Did you see that movie? The Paulo... Oh, you did? <laughs> the Paulo Sorrentino film? I will. Oh, it begins, it begins with it. It's a very... Fuck. It takes place... It's very heavily influenced by Fellini, uh, which he is. Okay. And um, 
and it begin it takes place it's a very deeply philosophical movie and it takes place at an italian um sounds uh, kind right of spa my street I spa area and the 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 fi- the song just lightens up the tone of the movie it just kicks off with with and and i think it's a cover it is a cover i think it it yeah, is a cover it's i totally remember a recording cover. it in my studio and it was funny yeah. it was like some random person's like throwaway idea and then we kind of like throw away and recorded it and then it throw away became <laughs> massive smash <laughs> really hilarious so here in lady chatterley's lover tell me about what a gorgeous classical score thank you you know uh this joy the piano and joy and the enlightenment in the in the cue joy entitled joy is just mesmerizing what were your inspirations here what were your your, you know uh, as far as classic i'd made quite a lot of um uh, first of all, I, I thank you because I, I wanted to sound intelligent. <laughs> I wanted to sound musically intelligent. And from the very beginning of the conversations with the director, uh, she was talking about um, Stravinsky and uh, she was talking about Shostakovich and like people that I hadn't really heard of. And, I, and of course, as soon as you put on Rite of Spring, you're like, oh my God, I know exactly what this is. And then it became, you know, because uh, for the most part, Connie, you know, Connie's journey is that she's frustrated. And so she goes looking for, she goes looking for love, essentially. And um, and so like, you know, we the, straight away with, that I was like I ran all the way with it and I had this kind of um I had this kind of like it was really the way Law was record um filming it was in a very sort of intimate uh elegant way so I I was trying to mirror what I was doing I would do these huge epic like pieces of music which had full orchestras in them for like them dancing in the rain for example and then she would be like it's beautiful but it's a bit too big and then she would like find from all the millions of bits of music the kind of simplest like three chords that I played very delicately and she was like this is the sound of the movie so um we kind of like covered all the bases of the kind of like frustration and, the t- and you know her tempestuous nature with kind of listening to Beethoven and and uh, and all that stuff and then we got to a moment where it was like well the movie starts with a wedding we're gonna need something happy <laughs> it was like damn uh, what can this be and I I listened to Gustav Holst and I listened to Bring Her a Joy and I was like oh, I want something. I want the film to feel open, feeling like this. And then this feeling of joy can break down into like a kind of twisted version of what that is. So that's exactly what the the opening of the movie is. And actually the, the piano that keeps going all the way through real one is um is thematic, if believe it or not. <laughs> so it kind of like it twists like a little bit more each time. Well, you're going to love this. So this morning, while I'm listening to the score in the car, 
I'm driving uh, one of my son's friends. He's he's also in the car with us to school, <laughs> and we're listening to this. And he, ha- of course, hasn't seen the okay. movie. And I'm telling him he can't watch the movie <laughs> because it's so, how old is he? How you old know, is he? He's um, he's seventeen. Oh, and I, you can't watch the movie. And I said, you know, I'm, I said, I'm sorry. I have to listen to this. I have to listen <laughs> to this classical score. And he says, no problem. He plays piano. He says, absolutely no problem. And he's listening to it. And you know what he figured out? And he hadn't even seen the film. He says, she's in a void here. She's in a void. And then he would say, and then he would say, um, oh, she's troublesome. She's troubled here. Oh my God. I love him. Oh my God. And, 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 and the, you know, the kid hadn't seen the film. He's not even acquainted with the novel. Oh my god! Yes, and that is the power of music. But, but isn't that amazing how oh. how he was able to um, he was able to pick, pick that up? Her headspace. I mean, thank you, bravo. Yeah. Fucking yes, that is the power of music right there. Yeah. And like, actually, yeah. it was really fun making all the twisted stuff, and it was much harder to make the kind of like simple, loving thing and make it feel like different and and each time and thematic. Um, and we made this kind of, I made this kind of like tinkly piece of piano that happens at some points, I won't give the game away. Um, and then that was the only, that was the kind of only moment we, we were able to make a kind of like big loving, that's the bit I snuck in to make the ending of the movie. So, like, I was like, come on, give me, like, one piece of big Hollywood romance. Like, you know, it's not, it's implied that they get together, but it's not set in stone. So, like, I was like, I think I scored, like, seven sweets at the end of the movie. And um, that was the what, like, that. I, then I t- sort of, like, when it came to, like, figuring what that one was, I would then use that, break it down and bring it backwards. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, there's, of course, a number of intimate moments mm-hmm. in the film. The initial, like, the, the first two, I want to say, I noticed there wasn't any score. And I wanted to ask, was that deliberate? Did the... Did the scenes need to earn their music? Like, was that a discussion with you and the filmmaker where it was like, no, not now. We're not going to put score in now. And once you get to like the forest, for example, the forest interlude. Then, then that's a fire. fire And then, and then of course, when they're, yeah, when they're dancing in the rain, was that a deliberate choice? Uh, She... I, I don't think that she and I specifically spoke about that initially, but as the picture was unfolding, you know, and settling and coming in, like it, it didn't, I just, it was so powerful. I was like, I don't know what I can do to add to this. It's already doing all the things. So like the, the, the decision was to kind of like 
leave it alone. Just leave it. It didn't need it. It was the most beautiful filmmaking. And then, but lead us into it and take us out of it, especially in those first two moments where, like, if you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. And then when it came to the the scene in the forest, I I had scored, uh, I think, all the way through that, like, quite early on. And... I don't I just I think somewhere along the line it was like it just doesn't need it so we kind of like and like it was kind of an accident that piece of school because I was like messing around with the idea of synths because I was like I don't want it to just be classical and she and Lord of Clermont was like I you know she really wanted electric guitar so like from the very beginning I was like messing around with guitar feedback for like a classical drama and like we were definitely trying not to make it sound like Downton Abbey so when it came to this like sexy forest thing where it's super aggressive and like kind of he's he takes control and leads us through the woods and it was just like it was kind of sexy and dangerous and I was like messing around with these sounds then I put these three chords in. Da, da, da. And it feels like it's gonna kick off. Da, da, da. And as I as I wrote those chords to that moment where they start kissing, I was like, I think this is the best moment in cinema history ever. And then take it away. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, maybe it doesn't need it doesn't need to keep going. Like it's just gives you that feeling of like, oh my God. And then they just get into it and that's it. They take it away. <laughs> and like, I think to my surprise, it just got left in. I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> now, were you classically trained early on? I was actually. I had piano lessons with an amazing piano teacher called Elizabeth Donovan. I only got up to grade five, but she did teach me very solid foundations and it's all about putting chords together so like obviously I gave that up when I took up boys when I was like 14 <laughs> and then gave and then got back into it later on and then have realized that I've had this you know great foundation that you know if you can play the chords in on a piano now in midi you can play it on anything but I also have it was it was really fun like you know, I have lots of friends who are incredible players and like, like you know, lots of boys with, boys with beautiful instruments that they don't own, turns out. And they, and they come here and they play for like all of the orchestras in London and they'll come and, and, and you know, I'll play them something. A lot of the early iterations of stuff was me just in my front room with a violin player and they would just And riff. you would jam. And you would just, yeah. you, the two of you would just riff to find. They would just, I would like have something written, like that would be a bare bones. And then, yeah, they and then they just do what they do. And like, some of that was really helpful. And also like, I mean, I think I got, got really overexcited about the idea of like, um, what, you know, breaking down what Stravinsky actually would, sound like and like what you know what is in his scores but I mean I didn't actually use any of that stuff but it was it was like a fascinating process of like learning how the greats 
break their things down. You know and what you, I mean? And you also had to write a jazz piece. Yeah. Tell On me about that. that. I mean, that that was, <laughs> that, you know, like in the course of this thick classical yeah, all music. The music. Yeah, all the music in that, in that whole movie is me, which is hilarious. Uh, the jazz, I mean, it's just like, I think if you can find a groove with jazz, as I've now learned, like I remember when I did the offer, I was like, oh my God, they want jazz. How am I going to, what? That's not in my musical vocabulary. <laughs> and then like after a while of fumbling around with like, you know, a drum groove and a bass line, everything else can kind of fit in. So like, I don't know, it's such an amazing art form being able to be a composer because you can really like, it's, it's so nice to jump into somebody else's entire new world. And that's what was really nice about Shatley because I, I wouldn't necessarily have put myself doing a period drama, but here I was presented with the opportunity and it was like, okay, how do we make the sound of 1920s without it being uh, too on the nose or too twee or like, you know, tr just trying to make it feel fresh. Um, so hopefully we nailed some of that. <laughs> I st snuck some synths in. Now, how long did it take to compose the score? Did you, did you have the full film in front of you? No, actually, Law brought me in from the rushes, which was amazing. So I had, I got to see her saying cut and then resetting the scene. And then she would send me assemblies of like sequences that she knew was going to need score. So it was kind of like, it was an amazing like first journey into like real filmmaking. Because it's not like that when you do TV. You get the episode, it's got a locked picture you know, they sort of like set guidelines for you and get it done. Whereas this was very much like, here is a feeling. Now do the feeling. And you're syncing it. I, I would imagine you're syncing this against the script. Yep. Absolutely. Now, I mean, were there, were there spotting sessions where you said... We sort of did do... A, we did one spotting session. Um where we did do one spotting session and that was quite early on and the picture did change quite a lot from that moment um but actually I just kept making more music she she'd be like is that any more music and then I'd go away and just spend two days writing music and not necessarily even to picture but like of a mood or a feeling so like actually when it came to like quick, we got to get this done. <laughs> there was seven hours of mu music to choose from. And uh, I, I keep finding little bits in my computer going like, oh my God, this is so good. Why didn't we use that? We can use that for something else. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you know, awesome. And then sad that I couldn't use the seven suites that I'd written for the end of the film. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now is, um, are you, what's next for you? Um, oh my goodness. I am scoring 
a television show, a cartoon, two movies right now. You can't tell us what that is. Uh, I, yeah, I think I can. I'm doing Lisa Frankenstein with Zelda Williams, who is Robin Williams' daughter, Great. for Focus Features. I'm doing a cartoon for Dan Harmon and Nathan Pyle called Strange Planet. I'm not sure if I can tell you about the other two, <laughs> but they're really good. Everything I'm doing is so cool. And then what about Florence and the Machine? Will, the, will we see them again? I think, well, Florence just broke her foot. She was on tour. Um, but yes, I'm, I think, you know, let's put a pin in where it went. But I think she and I are like sisters. So it's, it's going to come back around. Isabella Summers, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. 